Blog Talk Radio. Can't stop, won't stop. Don't even know how to stop. Back at it again, baby. It's another edition of the NFL Grand Five Podcast. In the house, Rick Saratelli, your host here. For the next 45 minutes, we're going to break it all down for you. Uh, day two of the 2015 NFL Draft, okay? We've got uh, week one recap. We've got a lot to cover, a lot to do, a lot to get to, okay? And we're going to break it all down for you uh, with the NFL Draft guru, Joe Everett, in the house. And uh, hopefully we uh, are on location in Chicago at the NFL Draft. Uh, Chai Town, Chai City, and uh, you know we uh, we are you know working working with uh, some new technical setup. So we're going to welcome in uh, Joe Everett to the show. How are we doing today, Joe? You got us here. Got it all clear. Uh, first round in the books. I can't believe it's already here. Oh man, I, I can't believe it either. Uh, you know, if you want to get in on the action, you can tweet us our questions. At NFL Draft Bible. Joe, is my audio uh, go weaving in and out, or am I good? No, sounds good to me. All right, cool. So let's rock and roll then. Just want to make sure, because we don't want to cheat the listeners at home. Uh, you know, if you want to ask us a question, you can tweet us at NFL Draft Bible. Okay, if not, let's get right into it, Joseph. Uh, you know, round one is in the books. Maybe not as uh, crazy as we expected. I think people were thinking to see a lot more trade action, moving up, moving down, but uh, pretty much stuck to the script. Anything catch you off guard, surprise day one? Oh, there's a few out there. Uh, get it in. I mean, I'm, as far as the biggest surprise, I don't know. I'm looking at that Todd Gurley going to St. Louis, uh, being a huge Trey Mason fan, uh, there's a little tear rolling down the side of my eye, but it didn't seem to be a need. It just seemed like at least two other positions uh, boggled me a little bit there. And then being a Broncos fan, uh, Shane Ray, they traded up for Shane Ray. So uh, I have a little crody, Rick, uh, on our last show. I thought Shane Ray was the slider. I didn't see him fitting in that first round with the trifecta of problems. And both my Broncos trade up, which means not only were they interested, obviously, a few other teams were too. Yeah, Shane Ray selected Randy Gregory not still on the board. We'll see how far he slides. Got six players still left remaining in the green room that were invited to the NFL draft here in Chicago on location. Joe Everett, Rick Saratella, breaking it down for the people. Uh, you know, Brandon Scherf came off the board a little bit earlier than I expected, and I love him. Uh, fifth overall pick, uh, just scrolling through. You know, the the selections, I think some people when I was at the draft were really surprised about the Lake and Tomlinson selection. I actually believe that that was the best yeah. value pick in the first round. I love that pick. And, uh, you know, they're going to have a nasty, nasty offensive line with, with uh, uh, the other guy that took a couple years back. So many names in my head, hard to, to remember. But you guys know who I'm talking about. And uh, how about the Colts was a little bit about a surprise in your backyard, Joe. Now you got T.Y. Hilton to pair with Philip Dorsett, Andrew uh, Lux swinging it and, and swinging it, and that's going to be a problem for teams. Man, I do. First off, though, got to give you some credit. We were doing a podcast earlier in the offseason talking surprise first-rounders, and Lakin Tomlinson was one of your guys. So 
I had a big smile on my face when that pick came off the board. Man, that was just a, yeah. a home run there. Yeah. But hey, that's it what you do. So good before, hey, yeah, you know what, Joe? I want to. I just want to say, you know, it makes me feel good because we were talking about the evaluation process and why isn't this kid getting more love and attention? Are we doing something wrong with the evaluation process? And I even had Ross Tucker on the podcast to break down the offensive lineman. I threw that out there to him. And he didn't see him as a first-round value either. So, uh, you know, it feels good. Uh, you know, I appreciate, uh, you know, old-school WWF Brooklyn Brawler. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, so, I'm getting on the top turnbuckle, man. I'm going to get on the top turnbuckle and elbow drop Philip Dorsett, man. I don't understand this. <laughs> Uh, wow, and being okay. in Indianapolis, Rick, I'm watching it with Colts fans, and even they're just dumbfounded. Why would take a guy who's just like T.Y. Hilton? That's one that, that just kind of – I see a few better wide receivers on the board and that could do a number of other things, and I, I dig it. You know, we're going to have now two guys with sub-4-3 speed with Andrew Luck chucking up balls, and, you know, it, it's a nice mix, but – I don't know. I look at this pick and I see it as a bit of a luxury, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already got Hilton, Andre Johnson just coming over, Dante Moncrief blossoming into his own, and then we got the sneaky pick uh, in this offseason, Deron Carter, the son of Chris Carter. So I just don't see where Dorsett plays that much. It'd be in the five wides. And get, once again, it just seems to be a. A luxury where on that roster, Rick, I'm looking at it, the Colts need a cornerback real bad because these games that they lost Vontae Davis, other teams just picked on Toller. They picked on anybody else that was opposite him. So I'd be cornerback, offensive lineman. I'm I'm a little concerned about this Colts roster when there's a lot of quality corners gone now. The O-linemen where they pick again, they're gone. Right. Yeah, now you make a lot of good points and uh, definitely some great perspective there. Uh, Joe Everett, Rick Saratel here, and I apologize for my voice. We're working it back as we go along. It's been a crazy, crazy weekend. Uh, no sleep till Brooklyn over here. And, uh, you know, I'm looking, you, you mentioned the uh, Gurley pick, and, you know, on a side note, with my fantasy football dynasty league, I was actually negotiating a trade with us. Uh, trying to get Drew Brees on my roster for a slew of draft picks. And, you know, the deal breaker was he wanted me to throw in Trey Mason. I just wasn't having it. <laughs> and now uh, maybe I should have pulled the trigger on that one. But, uh, you know, Todd Gurley to the Rams, definitely uh, an extra dimension added to that team. And uh, number 10 overall, I didn't I didn't think he would go that high. But, uh, you know what, the, the uh, draft nation was correct. And uh, we actually had two running backs in the top uh, half of the first draft, Melvin Gordon, who the the Chargers traded up for. And uh, what did you make of this selection with the Chargers moving up to take Melvin Gordon at the running back position? Uh, How do you see that playing out? This was one of the very few picks I got right in my mock draft just because I think this is – one of the final logical picks of the uh, first round last night is that the Chargers only having 
Danny Woodhead, little Danny Woodhead is their only answer. And, you know, it's kind of a unique fit with folks criticizing Melvin Gordon's receiving ability. Oh, he's only caught 22 uh, career passes. Well, they want to throw to Woodhead anyways as the satellite guy. So they kind of complement each other perfectly, I think. Also, uh, San Diego trading up the two slots to do it. That's a little trivial because do they trade it with? Obviously, San Francisco not going to pull the trigger with Carlos Hyde, uh, and then Houston Texans. I mean, they're still getting some mileage right. out of Arian Foster. Alfred Blues there. I don't. I don't know why the Chargers trade up two spots, but you never know. And they obviously right. are infatuated with Gordon. I like the fit a lot, and uh, it's just finally. It's nice, Rick, when some of these picks make a lot of sense. Yeah, and you know, you know, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Maybe there was a couple, multiple teams uh, looking to trade up for Melvin Gordon. Maybe the 49ers were wheeling and dealing, and you know, giving it to the best bidder. Uh, but yeah, Melvin Gordon, two running backs in the first round. After we went two years without a running back in the first round, uh, we talked about you know Philip Dorsett maybe as a, a luxury pick, even Cameron Irving, a center at 19. I like the pick, but uh, you know who knows? You could have maybe trade traded back and and picked something up, but we didn't see many trades. Any other picks that were head scratchers uh, made you wonder a little bit uh, in the first round? I'd say uh, there's a there's a couple. Eric Armstead, I was not high on at all, and San Francisco taking mm-hmm. them that high. That's another one. I'm not. I don't know why they couldn't maybe trade down, uh, get get something. And also, I don't know if this is a positive or a negative, but it's the. Uh, I think the Cardinals got away with one with DJ Humphreys. I guess that's where I'm wondering with my own. Uh, evaluation process, Rick, why DJ Humphreys falls behind Cedric Abouye, who's going to take a redshirt mm. year, uh, Cameron Irvin, and then, I mean, I just figured he would fit up into that 15, especially when you lose Elio Collins to the board, and, and, you know, not as clean. I think Humphreys has so much upside. I don't know why he follows. I, I didn't think he'd fall out of the top 20. Yeah, even Eric, I thought Humphreys or Flowers or Andrews Pete might go to the Giants there at uh... – Number nine, actually, I thought it would be Pete or, or Humphreys and not Flowers, so that was a little bit surprising to me. Pete, of course, went to the Saints at number 13, and, uh, you know, Abouye in uh, Texas A&M, he loves when I botch his name. Check out the YouTube videos for that one. Uh, you know, like you said, but the Bengals are a team that always rolls the dice on the questionable character, maybe injury-prone guys. They could have had him. Uh, maybe as a top 10 value, maybe before the injury and, and saw a value there at 21. Um, but some interesting, you know, mystery and intrigue from around the league. And, you know, we talked about a lot of wide receivers coming off the board and we did have six though in the first round. So uh, like we mentioned on the previous podcast, Joe, uh, those of you looking for, you know, a premier wide out, you can still get a good one here in the, in the, on day two, but the premier wide outs are uh, coming off the board. I believe Jalen Strong is still on the board. So let's transition now to day two. But before we do, I just want to give everyone a quick reminder that the NFL DraftBible.com doesn't sleep, baby. We got the mock two, uh, day two, round two, mock draft up on the site. Best available players for day two. Uh, non-stop coverage over on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible. And we're now on Instagram, a uh, new Instagram account. We're posting all the photos from Draft Town, the videos of uh, draft pick selections. You can get all that good stuff on Instagram, so make sure you follow us there. We're live now here in Draft Town at Chicago. 
If you like to uh, ask us a question, you can get in on the action at Twitter um, over at NFL Draft Bible. And, of course, follow Joe Everett at Joe W. Everett. All right, Joe, best available players for day two here. We mentioned Jalen Strong uh, at the wide receiver position. I think Eric Kendricks is another guy uh, still on the board, I believe. So uh, what do you see here for best available players heading into day two? Well, um, you know, if you'd have told me that uh, four days ago that all three of these Collins guys were still on the board after round ones in the books, I'd call it crazy. But uh, Landon Collins, Lyle Collins, Jalen Collins, I mean, I can't believe they're all on the board. Obviously, you got your Randy Gregory, and you hit the nail on the head with Eric Kendricks. That's just a football playing NFL bloodline, uh uh, Nagurski trophy winning. I mean, it's just got all those accolades. Uh, but uh, bottom line, yeah, Kendricks is one. Um, Danielle Hunter, we talked to Eli Harold was uh, borderline. Well, another guy I'm shocked, why is Jake Fisher still on the board? Speaking of offensive tackles, yeah. that I'm just – that guy, uh, he's, he's got to go quick. And once again, that was I, – I thought peck him for Indianapolis at the back end or Denver back end. They they both need linemen, they're athletic. These are offenses they're playing for now. So why not get yourself a swing tackle that won't get winded? Obviously, he's ready to run in the Oregon system, no huddle. So, I, yeah, Fisher's one that just shocks me that he's still out there. Yeah, and, you know, it makes you scratch your head and wonder – was there something in the medical? Is there something we don't know? Because even Chip Kelly passed up on him. So now I'm starting to begin to wonder if he's going to slide into round two and be available for Chip Kelly again at the second round option. But a uh, couple other guys, you know, you mentioned the green room guys, Devin Smith from Ohio State uh, is another one on the board. And one of our favorites, Joe Mario Edwards, still on the board. So that's a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I'm also hearing Doriel Green Beckham might not even be taken today. So that's an interesting one. And another personal favorite of mine, I think uh, getting overlooked here in the process, whoever grabs this kid is going to be a player. I think he's a better NFL player than college uh, player. I love how his speed translates at the next level. I think Sammy Coates is going to be a big-time playmaker. This kid's been on my radar for a long time. And one other day two gem I got for you, Ben Heaney from Kansas. Uh, you know, Luke Keekley, poor man's Luke Keekley, but uh, I think he's going to be a starter from day one. And uh, how about the running backs, Joe? I think today, you know, day one was a, a wide receiver day. I think day two between rounds two and three is going to be a running back day, and there's a slew of them starting off with your boy Duke Johnson. Hey, I know Colts went offense in round one, but <laughs> – how would Duke Johnson look in that Colts uniform? Oh, absolutely. There's teams that want to add that second back and how well he complements in the receiving game and, and as a kick returner. But I think that's absolutely the case for rounds two and three. Uh, Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson, the Amir Abdullahs of the world, you're going to start seeing him fly off the board. And I forgot T.J. Yeldon. He's, he's going to come off the board at some point today, too. So, mm-hmm. And then what's going to happen with Buck Allen? Uh, that's a guy I think going to go a little bit higher than what people realize. Wouldn't be surprised if he's a, a third-day pick. And then also, uh, it, it, we've just been going all off-season long. I, I've been you know banging the table for David Johnson, Northern Iowa. I've I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. got that itch, Rick. I think he's coming off the board, too. Uh, 
The only other back that I'm really just curious to see where it happens, you know, we've heard all these knee injuries, the rumor about Jay Ajay, where he's going to fall. I'd be curious to yeah. see if he goes today or not. And if he doesn't, maybe there's something to these uh, red flags. Yeah, well, that, you know, that actually reminds me of Arian Foster when he came out, got that uh, that medical red flag on him. They took him in the fourth round and the rest is history. So, uh, you know, hey, Jay Ajay, we're going to find out how much truth there is to that shredded right knee of his. And, uh, you know, just some perspective here. I have Amir Abdullah coming off the board at 47 to the Dolphins. Uh, Tevin Coleman, number 60 to the Cowboys. And uh, your oh, boy, Duke Johnson, I love it. feel like, yeah, te- yeah, Tevin Coleman to the Cowboys. I mean, Ooh. that would be a great pick. That would be a great pick. And I got your boy, Duke Johnson. I know, like, you just made some valid points that make me wonder if offense would be another way to go. But I just envisioned Duke Johnson and kind of, you know, you, rem- you remember uh, the trio of uh, – you know, when they had um, Manning and, and Falk and Marvin Harrison, well, you know, what if they what if they get Duke Johnson now in that backfield? That's going to be an explosive offense to go along with Dorset. Um, so we will see. Shout out to uh, Mama Charlone. I got some ginger ale here, so uh, taking the advice here and, and, and sipping on that ginger ale, getting our voice back because we just uh, can't stop, won't stop over here. Now, uh, the interesting thing Joe, is uh, teams that have multiple picks. And we'll talk about the day two multiple picks. But how about uh, with the the day one teams with the multiple picks? And I want to pop that up real quick because I I really like uh, how they're building from the inside out, uh, especially the Cleveland Browns. You you solidify the middle of the defensive line with Danny Shelton. And then on offense, like I said, maybe a little bit high, but Cameron Irving, plug-and-play starter, right in the middle of that offensive line. I think the Cleveland Browns got it right here, building from the inside out. And, and you can't go wrong. Uh, obviously, Cameron Irvin, uh, you know, won't start at center out with Alex Mack right now, but contracts are yet to be made there. And, you know, someone's going to be shuffled around. Really, it is basically taking a strength now. I mean, there's no holes in that offensive line because you'll be able to shuffle him in there at some point. But I can't argue too much with the Cleveland Browns. Hey, they were worst in rush defense last year. You, you throw big Shelton in the mix with big Phil Taylor. Uh, and there's no more Atiba Rubin there. So I think that's a – it fits a definite need. And this is another team they could just keep stockpiling. We talked about what kind of quality there is left at wide receiver. The Browns are a team that might be able to take advantage of that now. Mm-hmm. And, and even a running yeah. back. Maybe, you know, Isaac Crowell, they drafted Terrence West. Who knows what they like. But these are more, you know, they didn't have a lot of offense around Manziel or McCown or whoever it's going to be with uh, more talent because they definitely – Dwayne Bowe ain't, ain't fixing that leaky, leaky hole. We need yeah. some more skilled position players. Okay. But I think the Browns are fortunate. They're going to be plenty there for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ray Farmer and company, uh, patience may prevail and really pay off big time for the Browns. And the other team with two picks was the New Orleans Saints, and essentially they traded Jimmy Graham for Stephon Anthony with that number 31 pick. And then earlier in the draft, uh, they were up at number 13 and, and took uh, a, a big boy, Andrus Pete. So they, you know, again, up the middle on defense and then solidifying that offensive line. 
Uh, did you like what the Saints did with their selections? Oh, by far. Uh, really, that's one that I'm I'm just kind of biting my, my tongue on with the Steve, Stephon Anthony. I wanted to throw him in the first round of my mock. I think the world of the player, he's my number two inside linebacker right behind Kendricks. And uh, that's another one we were talking about the surprise first rounders. You know, don't be surprised Stephon Anthony with those great workout numbers. But when you turn on the film, he's got those instincts. So, yeah, I think for the Saints, they pop him right in there in the middle of the defense. And Pete, I think the bonus about him is if it doesn't work out at tackle, he could be a right guard. I mean, I know he's oversized a little too long, but just that imposing stature he's got, the pro-style scheme, I think, yeah, definitely a good pick. And where they got him, uh, maybe it's a little high for a, an inside linebacker like Anthony in the first round. But once I think that's a blue-chip player. I don't have – a lot of arguments when we're talking about a draft that really didn't have that many first-rounders. I think at the end of the first-rounder, right. you're filling needs with guarantees, and Anthony was a guarantee. I think that's a 10-plus-year player, a definite upgrade from what they had, too. I mean, who was in there for the middle forever? Lofton? Uh, at least Anthony can get out there and pass pro. No, absolutely. No doubt about it. And, you know, another team here that, Patience uh, may be a virtue. You talk about the wide receivers. They need some uh, weapons. Obviously, dealing Kenny Stills and Marquise Colson getting up there in years, trading Jimmy Graham. I actually have them taking my boy uh, Sammy Coates with the round two mock. And I got your boy uh, Jalen Strong going to the Falcons. I think that would be a good pick as well. Um, Joe Everett, Rick Severtella here. You there. And uh, we're breaking it down for the people right now as we get ready to uh, kick off day two of the NFL draft, about six and a half hours away, soaking it all in at the draft town. And, uh, you know, I want to stick with the theme of multiple picks because I think that it's pretty intriguing. Uh, and and the, how about the Patriots, man? I mean, they end the first round with a woo-banger and, and Malcolm Brown, uh, one of the top 20 talents of the draft, I think, they get them at 32, and now on day two, I mean, they are locked and loaded. They have two picks in the second round and two picks in the third round. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe. They have two picks in the third round and two picks in the fourth round, but only one pick in the second round. So they got three picks on day two, and then they'll have uh, two picks in that fourth round. So over the next three rounds, the Patriots will have five picks. Unbelievable. Uh, what do you see them doing here? Do you see them uh, stocking up and, and, and using these selections, or will Belichick be up to his old tricks again and, you know, trade trade out and maybe accumulate picks for next season? Oh, I think a little bit of both. Uh, the evil emperor is going to get on the hoodie and the thinking cap and definitely garner way more selections for next year. I mean, he just loads it up and stacks it up. It's his little shell game that he plays every draft, it almost seems. But as far as needs, I think this is another team that falls right in line. Uh, you, you know, they could take a chance and package these picks up, get that Dorio Green Beckham, and they've got this strong locker room. You know, a Super Bowl winning team, they might be able to reign a, a DGBN. I mean, it's just so amazing with the Patriots. They could take a chance like that, or they could just go chalk. I mean, once again, they need talent. Uh, Gerard Mayo's a little banged up. I believe Denzel Perryman and Kendrick are out there. It's really good uh, coverage linebackers out there left, edge 
players too. So, I mean, I think they'd, they'd have to load up on the defense front seven right now. Uh, noticeable injuries during the season to Chandler Jones, losing mail. No, Jamie Collins a heck of a player, no doubt. But and, and another edge rusher would make a lot of sense. And this is another team we talk about teams able to take chances on character concerns. Randy Gregory to the Patriots. Mm. I don't think anyone would bat an eye if that happened. And wow. boy, that, this, that having him behind a Ninkovich and Chandler Jones just makes a lot of sense when those two guys haven't uh, proved to be the perfect pitchers of health either. Yeah, and you know, the Patriots also, <clears throat> I know they uh, lost Shane Vereen during free agency. Belichick likes to have uh, a bunch of backs uh, to kind of rotate and move around and ride the hot hand. So uh, with the luxury of having all those picks bunched up here on day two and, and round four, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a running back with one of these picks as well. And uh, just looking at some of the other teams with multiple picks, uh, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals are really intriguing, Joe, because I'm not, uh, I'm definitely not a member, a, a club member, or the president of the Andy Dalton uh, club. But uh, when you look at their roster all around, I mean, they have uh, one of the most solid rosters, in my opinion. They've got a pretty good starter almost uh, at every spot. And I, I feel like this team is just a quarterback away from being a serious contender. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if they add a wide receiver, but um, I don't know. Do you see any glaring needs for the Bengals? What could they do here? They're at pick 53, 85, and uh, the last pick of day two at 99. You know, just like you said, it's the team that doesn't have a lot of needs. And really, it was the perfect team to take Cedric Abouye because they don't have a pressing need up front. He can learn behind guys like Whitworth and Andre Smith. I mean, they've got Kevin Zeitler inside, too. So, really, there's a lot of talent uh, on that front line. Uh, I think it's – I hate to be a broken record again, but, you know, Ray Malaluga, Vincent Ray, Vontae's perfect as a decent weak side linebacker, but missed all of last season with that knee. Emmanuel Amur, they've just got a bunch of names. I know they just signed A.J. Hawk, but – and Eric Kendricks in the middle of that defense would just mm. really solidify things. And um, also on top of that, I'm, this is a team that I believe you had mocked taking an edge rusher, and so did I. I think that's still a need. They they got Michael Johnson back from his vacation in Tampa Bay, uh, but Carlos Dunlap was noticeably not himself last year. So what direction are they going to edge rusher? I think that's that's certainly going to fit a need. And really, the, the guy you had mocked to him would still be there. This is another team. Wouldn't be surprised if Randy yeah. Gregory went to the Bungles. And then also, I mean, just some convert guys that do something with, like a Nate Orchard or even a Omabe Adigizua from uh, UCLA. I mean, that guy showed up at the senior bowl at muscles on top of his muscles. I mean, this guy is a freak. <laughs> uh, he'd, he'd look really good in a Bengals uniform because he is literally shredded. Yeah, and, you know, I think I had them taking uh, mocking uh, Preston Smith was my uh, round one mock. He might, who knows, he might be there at 53. Uh, you know, the interesting thing doing these mock draft exercises is I found it really difficult, Joe, hard to come to grasp with justifying a quarterback being selected in the second round. And maybe I'm crazy, but could the possibility exist that no quarterback gets taken around to, 
But, you know, we just talked about the Bengals, and now that I think about it and I said Andy Dalton, and I'm not a big fan, could Garrett Grayson be the first quarterback <laughs> off the board at 53, maybe a guy to push Andy Dalton a little bit? From from my mind to your list, I was thinking that just when you were talking about Andy Dalton not being on the fan club, I was like, you know, Garrett Grayson would be a nice fit in there because Grayson isn't, you know, your, your prototype guy, but he's quick. He's deceptively athletic in a timing base. West Coast scene surrounded by talent. I could see Grayson succeeding, and yeah, this would be. A perfect team. And once again, you drop this kid in that situation, it's not too hard to see that he could succeed. I mean, there it is just, we already talked about, I mean, loads of talent on that roster. They're just missing some key pieces. And I hate to keep dogging on Andy Dalton, but I think he is one of those key pieces that they are missing. And uh, yeah, if they took Garrett Grayson, that'd make a lot of sense. But I'm kind of on your side of thinking that this day, too, it might not even see a quarterback. I mean, sure, people are talking Hundley is all over the board. Some teams very high. Some teams are, don't even have him ranked. But I, I think Grayson's the guy for me if if we see a, a day two pick. But, yeah, it's few and far between. It's just right now there's so many better prospects other than QBs on the board. I, I would not be surprised if we saw a whole round two without a QB. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on board with that, but you know, quarterback is that position that everybody needs, and uh, you know, the the Buccaneers and Titans obviously filled that need yesterday. And you know, who are some of the other potential quarterback teams? Uh, I, I think you know, teams that come to mind are the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they pick at number fifty and eighty-one, but they have so many needs. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, they pick at 43 and 77. Uh, I'm just trying to think of some other potential landing spots for quarterbacks just to get an idea when we might hear another quarterback come off the board. Uh, maybe the New York Jets at 37. Possibly. I think also uh, don't don't rule out the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Bruce Arians mm. just that type that – uh, much like an Andy Reid, and, and I believe the Kansas City Chiefs are in this conversation too. They're the type of coaches that will take a quarterback every single year just to make sure they don't you know miss out on this guy or that guy that they, they worked out or had a conversation with. So, yeah, I think the Cardinals, uh, a Garrett Grayson, or, you know, they could go the athletic Brett Hundley route. But, um, yeah, I definitely, you know, plus Bruce Arians and what he's done with QBs. There's so much intrigue and same goes for Andy Reid. I, I think we all know they're not settled on Alex Smith. They got to get somebody. Yeah, and the uh, the Chiefs uh, are another one of those teams with three picks on the day to dock it. Uh, they are picking, let's see, just pat them up here. They're picking 49th, 80th, and 98th. Of course, they went with Marcus Peters in round one. And the, and the Chiefs actually have if you look at it, they have uh, four, six, eight, nine, nine more selections to go. So the Chiefs are going to add ten players in this year's draft if they don't uh, trade any any of the picks. And uh, you know, just uh, looking looking ahead to tonight, Joe. I mean, I don't know. We didn't see anything crazy or unusual. I don't know if you have any crazy uh, predictions for us for day two. I thought. 
the funniest uh, part of the entire draft was the Jameis Winston photo uh, with the crab legs. Looks like he was feasting over there. Uh, the Buccaneers. Hey man, like someone said on Twitter, no fun league. Like the Buccaneers told the kid to take it down. So the problem I have there, Joe, is, you know, hey, the kid came out and, and we saw the interview a couple weeks ago with Harbaugh. He, the kid came out and said he was taking it, he was giving it uh, to him for free. He didn't steal him. So did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not believe him? Because if it was my quarterback and he said that and I used the number one pick, I'd be on board. And, and have to believe them when they tell you, you know, it's so petty to take this picture down. I mean, come on. I, 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 am I crazy for, you know, thinking that they're not supporting the quarterback here? Oh, it's just the uh, OCD nature of NFL and their teams. We are in control here. And, yeah, it is. I think it's overboard. And, once again, what kind of message does it send? Yeah, this is our boy. We endorse him. We love him so much. We're going to put him on the cover of the media. But you're going to have to take that picture down. What What is that yeah. about? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me to where – you kind of like let stuff like that go out of the rug where it's, yeah, over and done with, but obviously it's not over and done with. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought those shenanigans uh, went by the wayside when they got rid of Greg Schiano, but obviously uh, still a little uh, control freakish. <laughs> now, the one guy we didn't talk about round one as we get uh, close to winding things up, I just wanted to touch base on uh, big Leonard Williams, and, you know, I couldn't be any more excited for the fact that he's going to be playing in Jersey. Showed the NFL Draft Bible a lot of love out here in, in uh, Chicago. And, you know, you can catch our interview with Leonard Williams over on the All Access Football Channel on YouTube. But, I mean, we're talking possibly the best defensive line in the National Football League, Joe. I, you talk about putting Leonard Williams in between Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson. I mean, that's that's going to be a problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, a lot of people may say this is another luxury, but at the same time, there are some whispers about Muhammad Wilkerson, maybe not happy with his, his contractual situation, whatever's going to happen. But in theory, you put the, these three guys up in front of any four, I mean, that front seven is going to be dynamic. And they already do have great inside linebackers. This is a team, the Jets, I mean, they've got to add some edge rushers to this because right now this could be a a legendary front seven. And that'll tip the scales in defense. We're talking about Todd Bowles getting in here. I know they're losing Rex Mm. Ryan. Todd Bowles is no slouch, man. This guy's aggressive, and he may blitz even more than Rex Ryan, if you can believe that. Well, you know, uh, I'll tell you one thing. The Jets haven't had a legit pass rusher for a long time. I think you've got to go back to maybe John Abraham uh, since they had a double, double-digit double sack guy, and that's why with my round two mock draft that you can catch over at NFLDraftBible.com, I actually have the Jets rolling the dice here just because it's low financial risk, okay? It's a low financial risk. But huge upside. We just talked about that defensive line. Could you imagine taking Randy Gregory in that second round? I mean, it's a big difference of not having to pay him the first-round money, but the upside here could be huge as that 34 outside uh, pass-rushing linebacker. Am I crazy? No, no, that is ideal. And at this point, 
not only uh, is it less for risk financially, and, you know, some teams, yeah, they took them off the board, but what if the Jets are one of the teams that left them on and said, and there's a certain point where this talent becomes uh, enough of a risk, we've just got to take it. And on top of that, the, the fact that he's fallen, Randy Gregory himself, the player, guy's got to have a huge chip on his shoulder right now not going in the first how bad this offseason went for him I think it would be a at this point any team that takes Randy Gregory you put that asterisk by him and say well this could go one of two ways horribly wrong or they just got themselves a heck of a player for cheap yeah well you know Joe time always Live when I'm on the show with you, and uh, unfortunately, we're wrapping up another edition here at the NFL Draft Bible Radio, uh, day two. We just recapped day one, gave you a little sneak peek to day two. Any parting shots here, Joe? Crazy, any predictions? Give us, uh, give the people something to think about here as we uh, wrap it up. Uh, first player off the board will be. Paul Dawson, TCU, why not? We'll just go something crazy. Whatever happened to that guy? And then also, shout out to yeah. the Steelers. Uh, why Why do the rich keep getting richer, man? Steelers just have Bud Dupree fall yeah. in their laps. I tell you yeah. what, I've been, I'm not a Steelers fan by any means, but you guys got a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, says, it says a lot about what they think about Jarvis Jones, too. You know, they had to bring in James Harrison back out of retirement last year. and yeah. then kind of uh, maybe moving on from the the Jarvis Jones vote. So uh, there you have it, folks. Another edition in the books. Uh, We'll be back at it again. You know, uh, a lot of of variables out here walking around in downtown Chicago. You never know when we might pop up with another podcast. And that's why you got to follow us on Twitter, at NFL Draft Bible, or follow us on Facebook, you know, or follow us or log on to the site, NFLDraftBible.com. Right now, you can get the top 64 players for day two, the round two mock draft. Uh, we got all kinds of good footage on Instagram. We were, you know, recording the selections from if you want to get a feel for what it's like to be inside the auditorium here in Chicago. We have all kinds of videos on the Instagram account and, of course, pictures from all the various events, the draft leading up to the draft, the post-draft, can't stop, won't stop, baby. It's another edition. Uh, shout out to the NFL draft guru, Joe Everett. It's been a 365 journey to get to this destination day. And uh, I was your host, Rick Saratella. Until the next time, everybody. <laughs>